Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Tim Dillon Show. Uh, we are, it's migrant crisis here in New York City. Um, there's a lot of uh, migrants that are coming in and it's tough for everyone, I guess. I don't know. It's not, it's, has not affected me, but it's bad and it's getting worse. And it's the new Ellis Island. Hundreds of migrants flood into New York City's Roosevelt Hotel uh, as Big Apple becomes epicenter of the border crisis. And Mayor Eric Adams says he'll ask judge to suspend right to shelter rules. What the mayor's doing now, I think, with a lot of the people that are, and this seems to be the biggest issue that, uh, the world is going to face over the next however many years outside of climate and technology. The biggest issue seems to be mass migration of people from, you know, countries that are unstable to countries that are also unstable like ours. You know, they're going to come from uh, a degree of instability to, an, uh, to a, uh, a, a more polished degree of instability, but this is going to be the biggest issue. Uh, it's the reason for Brexit. It's the reason probably for uh, a lot of the political upheaval you see throughout Europe. Um, this has been the issue that everybody's talking about. It's how many immigrants, migrants, refugees, whatever the term is, can a society absorb uh, uh, before the society kind of buckles and starts to break down. And um, it's tough for New York because everybody in New York is predominantly pretty progressive and they all want to do the right thing. And But it, this is, uh, you know, people don't like it. They don't like it. It becomes a burden. And then you have like the whispers happening from all the good people that want to do the right thing, uh, but they start whispering about their block, my our block has gotten. I mean, and they would. Ne these are not people that would vote for Trump. These are not people that are watching Fox News. These are. It's New York, and they live on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Um, but you know, they put migrants in hotels. They put some of them. Uh, you know, some of these new condos that uh, people spend a lot of money on. A part of the building is being utilized for. Uh, either low-income housing or to kind of house um, migrants that are coming in. And then people, you know, and you talk to real estate agents, they'll go, you go, that building looks cool. And they go, oh, no, 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 no. They go, not that building. They go, that bitch, they have low-income housing. They take the same elevator. So there's a lot of whispering going on in, uh, in, in those areas in New York where people are uh, uh, pretty upset that uh, their neighborhoods are seemingly uh, being overrun with people they don't recognize. That's becoming, now they would never say that publicly and they take great pains to avoid that, uh, you know, characterization of it. They won't say that quite. They'll be like, well, it's just, a, it's a lot of people and, you know, they need help, but it's it's just, it doesn't make sense. And, I, you know, and so Eric Adams, the mayor, is gotten hit on this. They're putting them in hotels. They have them in the Roosevelt Hotel. Um, you know, so now 
he's going to ax the right to shelter mandate. He's going to go, nope, we do not have to provide housing to people that need it. Because New York has a mandate where it's like, if you ask for a bed, we got to find you a bed. If you ask for housing, we got to give you housing. Um, New York City, uh, 11,000 asylum seekers went to Miami. 15,000 went to LA. No one even noticed. Uh, 15,000 went to Houston. And then 41,000 came to New York City. And... So now I think Eric Adams, I think the rule is now he's cut it down to like 60 days. I think it's 30 to, or 60 days in the shelter. Mm-hmm. So you you get here, you have nothing, you know nobody, you're coming from a, a country that's in turmoil, and you have 60 days to figure New York out. <laughs> 60 days. See, this is why... You know, you lose faith very quickly in the people running things because at every moment they make the worst decisions. Like, for example, you might be against New York City taking on migrants, but here's what you really should be against. Taking them on for 60 days and then throwing them in the street. There couldn't be a worse policy than taking people for 60 days and then telling them that they, hopefully they figured it out. Well, you've had 60 days. Have you learned the language? Do you have a job? Do you have a down payment saved? Can you work? They're not even going to get a work permit in 60 days. They're set up for failure. They're set up to go into, uh, to be homeless or to, to do some type of crime to just survive. So it's weird, and there's a backlash because people are like, listen, man, you know, this is going to make it worse. Uh, the Roosevelt Hotel, the Paul Hotel, and the Paramount Hotel are among the hotels designated for housing migrants in Manhattan. There's long lines of migrants, mostly men from Africa, are now often seen outside the storied locations. And this is what people are not digging. They don't dig uh, a bunch of people in their community that are on the street, long lines. You know, people start to notice. They go, what's going on? Starting to look a little third world. But they don't, they whisper that. They don't say it loudly. They go, I just, I, you know, I'm, I try to understand, you know, these poor people. And I feel, I feel sorry for them. There's lots of restaurants in Manhattan right now where there's a, a white woman with a glass of wine going, I feel, this is horrible what's happening to these people, but I just don't know what good it is having them stand outside of this hotel up my block. I don't know. How does it help them? And of course, there are the people that are being uh, very uh, vocal about this. There are protesters who are surrounding the Roosevelt Hotel where Eric Adams is housing hundreds of migrants and then screaming, send them back, which is, this is unnecessary, I think. I don't know if this helps, but there are people screaming, send them back, uh, let's, let's see this clip. It's not a lot of people. Yeah, so this is not, this is not ideal. And, uh... All right, it's not that many people, but it's it's uh, they're angry, they're angry and they're unhappy, 
And uh, there's nothing more they can uh, do except uh, yell. And um, is Curtis Sliwa now involved? This guy, well, Curtis Sliwa, by the way, is one of the famous criminals in New York, liars, <laughs> um, who's made up fake instances of crime that he solved people, saved people from. Mm. Um, he's a colorful character, but he's, uh, you know, he just makes shit up. It's a little Hassan Minaj <laughs> action where it's like he believes in the emotional truth of the Scenario, and let, let's see what uh, he has to say. He's always excited when there's something he doesn't have to make up, Curtis Sliwa. He literally made up stories uh, of crimes on the subway that were happening where he would jump in and save people with his group, the Guardian Angels. So now he gets really excited when there's real news, and he is he's a mayoral candidate, and he's angry about the migrants, and what? let's see what his solution is. <laughs> We will make them pay for what they have done to our city, our state, and our country. America first. Let's scream it. Come on, no migrants. No migrants. No migrants. Here we go. No That's like an old hippie holding yeah. that. It's so funny. You see, like, there's like an old hippie holding the no mic. The The greatest uh, thing you've seen over the last, like, I don't know, let's say four years has been, like, hippies becoming diehard Republicans. Like, old, yeah. like, Ben and Jerry style protesting the Vietnam War hippies are now at these marches with, like, the America First people. Certainly, it's a, it's a long life. Many of those hippies who lived to this point have now gone uh, right wing. I don't know what this does. I don't think this helps anybody uh, screaming, send them back and no migrants. These people have nothing. And uh, one of the reasons they have nothing is that we went around the world destabilizing a lot of their countries. We went around pursuing this crazy policy of like regime change in Libya, in Syria, all these places that have sent boatloads of people into Europe. This is not news to anyone. That doesn't mean that we can take in the entire world, but I don't, the complexity of that seems to be lost on these people that are in the street with signs, as it usually is. Um, and the migrants, what's funny is the migrants are actually the ones that are in the hotels. There was an article, I think it was in the Post, and they're, they're talking about, uh, they're talking about how unhappy they are with the food. They like any, everything else, but they're basically like, hey, like this one woman goes, we came here, uh, she's a Russian. She goes, we came here to avoid mobilization for the war, said Leela Uzmanov, who fled Russia with her husband. And she goes, we have three kids, 16, 10, and three. We don't want to fight against our own Ukrainians or Russians, same people. She goes, we're grateful to the US government, but complained that the food the city was providing... <laughs> At the swanky hotel turned shelter was less than nutritious. My husband and I have high blood sugar and the food isn't very good for us. Our kids don't want to eat it. She also added, come here in the evening and you will see a giant pile of wasted food. They're throwing out 90% of the food here isn't eaten. Well, welcome to America. <laughs> welcome. This is a, you're going to get poisoned. They're going to get, another guy goes, you've been here three months. It's only temporary until I can get a work permit and find some work. All I want to do is start working and build a life. He said of the shelter, this is a huge help. It's clean. It's safe. But then he goes on as well 
to complain about the food. He goes, they're good with the kids. They're very attentive. But he goes, you know, listen, we can't eat the food here. He goes, it's it's not good. It's not good for our kids. Um, you know, he goes, we don't have a kitchen. The food isn't good for the kids. We would rather make our own food. <laughs> so everybody, all of these uh, migrants, by the way, these are the most desperate people on the planet at the moment. They have nothing. They have nothing. And their main problem is American cuisine. That's how bad the food is in this country. That's how absolutely terrible the food is in this country. They would rather starve or go hungry than eat the food. And, and God only knows what we're providing them, by the way. God only knows what they're getting. We're probably giving them Pop-Tarts and fucking chicken nuggets. They are getting what we feed our children. I mean, it's not something that we don't feed our own kids, but they're so horrified, which is, again, it's like, this should wake Americans up. Like, Americans should get woken up by this. They should go, the most desperate people in the world refuse to eat our food. They can't eat the food. They go, this is poison. They go, how is everyone eating this? This is actually poison. And Americans have been so desensitized and people, a lot of people have just given up. And when you have a family, you got to feed them and you got to go to grocery stores. And you got to buy this shit, whatever Tyson fucking churns out or whatever Dole or whatever these companies are doing, you got to buy it. But it's so hilarious to me that people that are here for like five minutes eat it and they spit it out. They go, no, 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 this is poison. We can't eat. We can't give this to our children. This is crazy. And, uh, you know, it's, I, this is like when we dropped those care packages on Afghanistan while they were blow, we were blowing them up and, and they, and we dropped like, you know, fun dip and pop tarts on Afghans and they were, we were like, go for it. Don't worry about the war. We got you covered. Here we go. And we're just bombing them with Reese's peanut butter cups. And all of those people were just entirely like, what the fuck is it? If you give our food to anyone else no matter how bad their lot in life is, if you give our food to anyone, they're stunned. They're shocked by it. They can't even believe it. They don't, If you bring people over here, and these people aren't from Europe. It's not like they were living in France. They're not wealthy. These are not people that lived in an Italian villa. These are people that were ran out of their country by a flood or a crazy government, and they're still going, what the fuck? Are you giving our children to eat? They care more than people that live in this country about the food. They care more. On Sunday, the Post reported that at least 41 migrants have been arrested on charges including domestic violence at the Roosevelt Hotel shelter on East 45th. That's, well, this is the food. This is what happens uh, with the food. Well, this isn't good. It's not good when people start beating each other up. You're, you just got here. You got to wait a little bit to start hitting your wife. <laughs> you have to wait. You can't just go right into hitting your wife. Uh, it's, it's not going to work. It's a bad situation. They've known about how bad this is for a while. Uh, and and they, didn't, they don't really report on it. Now it's gotten so bad that the dam is about to break. So like every newspaper in New York City is going, what do we do? Let's talk about how long they're giving them now. I mean, look at this. 
This is great. Somebody defended the meals, saying the migrants were well-fed. We give them really good food here. Vegetables, nutritious stuff. These people don't know what good food is. We give them great food here. We give them vegetables. It's nutritious. I'm telling you, if you saw what we're feeding these people, I don't know what it is, but it it, it should be a wake-up call for everybody in this country with a family who's feeding their children how bad uh, things are getting out there. How bad it is with the food that people that were literally being beaten in other countries are commenting. Now, none of these people have work permits. None of them could work. And, and now Eric Adams is saying they're only there for 30 minutes. I'm, I'm sorry, 30 days, 30 days, and then they're out. And then they're gone and they're on the street. And it's like, what are they supposed to do? 30 days in city-run facilities. 30. That's it. And then and then good luck. And then you're just here now. You're just here like everybody else trying to figure it out. So they're dumping thousands of migrants onto the street. Soon, by the way. This is coming soon. This is coming in like the next uh, few weeks. The mayor called the move another step in our effort to help asylum seekers take the next step in their journeys. What? <laughs> it, what? What? It, what is he talking about? The next step in their journey? I mean, is this like a, a, a self-help book? The next step in their journey, that's the type of language you use for like middle-class white kids whose parents are like asking them to leave because they're 27 and they need to start their own fucking life. These people have no idea what the hell to do. This is the most expensive city in America. How the fuck are they going to survive? They have to take the next step in their journey and really start to listen to themselves and self-actualize and basically figure out what they want to do and who are you on the inside? I mean, this is not the language you use for people that are at the lowest point in their life that have nothing. This is not the language you use. This is the language that is used for people that have been coddled and privileged their entire life. And you're like, listen, buddy. I, I mean, that's like when my friend was getting kicked out of his house by his parents who were like, it's time that you get the fuck out of here. They said shit like that, literally. They were like, it's time to take the next step in your journey. It's your journey and it's time to take the next step. And it's exciting. And, and by the way, his mother used to be like, it's exciting. And he'd stare at her and be like, what? And she'd go, it's exciting. You should be excited. You're about to step out there in the world and have your own life. It's like, what are these people going to do? They don't speak English. They come from countries where they're allowed to hit their wife. And now they're here and they're getting arrested for domestic violence. Imagine that. Imagine the shock of a behavior that is absolutely allowed. Not saying it's good, but it's absolutely allowed. And in those countries, when the wife steps out of line, she gets reprimanded. This is not right. This is what happens. Now they come here and they get arrested for domestic violence. They're completely thrown. Mm -hmm. They're completely thrown. I'm sure there's good people that aren't hitting their wives, 
but this is just a different culture. And the idea that like we're talking to them, like this, she's a, uh, they're 23 year olds that just graduated Oberlin College. It's time to take the next step in your journey. It's your journey. It's like a woman who's there with a big black and blue on her eye and we just arrested her husband for domestic violence. And she's like, I actually need him to pay some of these bills. I don't really work. I cook and I get hit. That's what I do. I don't work. <laughs> so can you get him back? Because now I'm fucked. I, I kind of, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's weird seeing these, like, these are the worst policies possible and the worst way to handle the situation. If you want to take people in, you have to give them, and I know people are going to hate me saying this, you have to give them a minimum of like six months. You can't, it cannot happen in one month. And if you're going to do it, and I'm not saying even it's right to do. I'm not even saying that we can do it. But if you're going to do it, my, I, I couldn't figure this city out. I'm a white guy. I, I came from a, a, a community that was 45 minutes outside of New York. It took me years to figure out New York City where I could survive. And that's a guy that spoke the language, able-bodied, worked, and it was still tough. It was still like apartment to apartment, room to room. It's brutally expensive. Very difficult. And now we're basically telling these people who just got here, we're basically saying to them, in 60 days, we're going to stop feeding you. We're going to kick you out of the hotel. And I know it sucks to stay in the hotel with all the migrants. I know it sucks. I'm going to be honest with you. I know it's not fun. I know it's not fun. I get it. I'm not one of these people that's going to pretend that it's fun when you're living in an apartment building, you spend a shitload of money on your apartment and your or your condo or whatever it is, and then it's being overrun by people. Nobody likes that. Doesn't matter who they are, by the way. Doesn't matter if they were college kids from Nashville. If they were white college kids from Nashville that were throwing uh, parties or whatever they were doing, they were being loud. They were Nobody would want it. New York is about escaping from people when you can. On the street, you can't. It's mobbed. On the subway, you can't. It's mobbed. There's nothing for you to do. But when you go back to your own space that you pay dearly for, you just don't want people in your space. People hate other people. Can we get back to that? <laughs> people truly, they like the idea of other people. They like a few people. <laughs> But they don't like a lot of people that they don't know. No one likes that. I live in a building where, you know, I spend part of my time here. I walk out, you know, my no one makes eye contact. Nobody looks at each other. Nobody acknowledges each other. Because what's the fucking point? That's the reality. What is the point of acknowledging this stranger in the hall? There is no point. We're not going to be good friends. We're not going to spend holidays together. We're not going to care if the other one is found dead. None of that's going to matter. And we know that. New York is tough by design. And the people that live here, you know, they put up some walls. And they're like, listen, I got to work. I got to survive. I like the things the city provides. But I don't have the time to emotionally invest in every single person I meet. And that's different if you live in the South, you live in other places where you meet so many fewer people that they become more important. 
In New York, you're constantly passing people in the hallway of your building, on a train, in the lobby of your office building. You can't invest emotionally in all of these people. So it is a city where people just, you know, they, they kind of keep to themselves to a degree. So this idea that you're just going to throw all these migrant families into condominiums or hotels and that it's going to work out and that people are going to be excited about it's not true. It's not true. Um, You know, and I, I just don't think this was well thought out. And it's going to get worse because now they're on the street. Now you're going to put them on the street because no one has any idea what to do. Nobody has any idea what to do. There's enough space in this country, but they can't be here. They cannot be here. And I know that people are going to go, well, isn't that a little, that's a little hypocritical because New York is pretty liberal. And you say, yeah, of course, I understand that. If we're going to take them in, we got to put them somewhere else. We got it. We have so. I was in Iowa recently, and I was just driving. And thank you to everyone who came out to that casino. And I was just driving, and it was just cornfields. And hey, I'm 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 not saying that. You know, I'm not trying to dump our problem on Iowa, but put it put them there, put them there, put them in the Great Plains. Put them in areas where there's nothing. And, you know, let them do what they do. And we we just can't deal with it here. Can't happen here. I think we should do a moratorium on all this stuff. I don't think we can really take that many people in anymore. I think it's going to completely destroy the fabric of society because what's going to happen is people are going to start feeling fearful of the rapidly changing environment they live in. And when that happens, people then become very readily um, willing to start bringing in very draconian measures to ensure their safety and their family's safety. And if you like living in a free society, like if you like a society that's free, where you're not hassled all the time, people are not asking you for information all the time, there's not checkpoints everywhere, you're not living in this dystopian horror show, you have to put a limit on the amount of people that you can absorb. Because the more and more people that come in, the more and more fearful people are, the more the crime rate goes up, the more homelessness becomes... Um, more apparent around them, people are going to say, let's do it. I'm for it. Let's get the checkpoints. Let's start asking people for their papers. Let's start doing all this stuff. We got to figure out who's who, you know, and, and it's more and more security measures that will be instituted. And there's nothing you could do. There's nothing really to do other than that. If you're going to let everybody in, if you're going to let everybody in, you're going to have to have more cops, more security, and it's going to feel a lot less free, which is not good. Maybe they'll leave when the, if, once they realize the food is not changing and the corporations that own the companies that make the food will not be changing. So maybe 
after a few months in New York City schools when their kids are 300 pounds and they come back and they say, actually, I'm non-binary now, maybe they'll go, we got to go home. Maybe, and maybe that's why it's actually good the country's in the state it's in. Maybe you shouldn't change the schools. Maybe you should start sex changes on these migrant family kids immediately so that they go, oh, we got to get the fuck out of here. I love Helix mattresses. Anyone that comes and visits my house goes, what mattress is that? And then they all get them. I'm telling you, I've had my mattress for a couple of years. My sleep has improved. Everybody loves it. They offer 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux collection. That's what I have. The newly released Helix Elite Collection, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? Take the Helix Sleep Quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped right to your door free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It's a perfect combination of comfort and support. Helix is offering 20% off all mattresses orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash timd and use code helixpartner20. This is their best offer and it won't last long. 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go and use the code helixpartner20. Best offer yet, won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. 400-pound NYPD robot gets tryout in Times Square subway station. The K-5, described as fully autonomous security robot, is part of a push by the mayor for more law enforcement technology with, which is, I mean, this, <laughs> folks, this, you know, if we're going to have, if you're going to put, bring more and more people in, get ready for the bot and the security robot. And by the way, I just try to get on the good side of these things. They're not going away. They're not going away. You can scream and yell about the autonomous bot that will now patrol the subway. Your only job, if you live in New York, is to get on the good side of the bot because that's not going away. That, there's no, look how happy that cop is standing next to that bot. <laughs> look how thrilled he is that they can blame someone else besides him. They will, that bot will start pushing people onto the subway tracks and it, look how thrilled the cop, they're all happy with the, but this is all they've wanted mm -hmm. since the George Floyd stuff. They just go, just bring in the machines, please, please. Someone else to blame. Bring in the bots, bring in the autonomous, bring in the K5, whatever they call it. They're thrilled. If, if you're a cop in this city, this is your partner now. This is who you blame everything on. Oh, my God. You're going to be like, no, no, no. This is the K5. K this is the K5. There's not going to be uh, a situation, by the way, where this will not be used. They are going to use this for everything. It's starting in the subway, but then it'll be on the street. It's going to be on the street. It's you're just going to see it. It's going to go. It's going to go by. It's going to turn around and look at you. It's going to do like a sensor thing, and then it's going to decide what it's going to do. So try to get on the good side of the K five bot if you can, um, because you know Mark. Radlin, a restaurant manager, says it looks like an oversized version of R2-D2, a droid from the Star Wars films. I don't know what it's supposed to be. I don't know what it's supposed to be. It looks like a trash can on wheels. Stop insulting it. Stop <laughs> shitting on it. I'm telling you. Stop. 
It's from a California-based maker, Nightscope. Ooh. Nightscope describes it as a, quote, fully autonomous outdoor security robot. A fully autonomous outdoor security robot. It's currently used in hospitals, malls, airports, warehouses, and casinos. And it will soon be deployed to Times Square subway station, the city's busiest underground transit hub. It's armed with four cameras. It will record video, but not audio. It will employ facial recognition at, uh, you know, so they're just going to, they're going to be able to identify you immediately. And it's about the cost of leasing it averages out to about $9 per hour. Nice and cheap. Our mayor, the good Eric Adams, says this is below minimum wage. No bathroom breaks, no meal breaks. They're all in on the bot. Uh-huh. They're all in on it. The, they are thrilled. They're good because cops are quitting now. Cops go, I don't want to do this shit. Or, you know, some cities are 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 allocating some of the police budget somewhere else. And now we have the fully autonomous bot who can do facial recognition on you. I, see, the bot can't, the bots, this is the first step, the first stage of the bot. The bot can't restrain you yet. The bot can't do anything to you yet. This is the first bot. The bot will only get better. And Nightscope, don't think Nightscope didn't have that conversation. <laughs> don't think Nightscope didn't go, by the way, this is only the demo. This is only our first bot. We have bots in production that can do things. You know all the cops and Eric Adams are sitting in a in a conference room and Nightscope, whatever the hell that is, based in California, Nightscope has a video monitor on the wall and it's just transformer style bots pinning people to the fucking wall <laughs> and chucking them. And I'm telling you, the cops are ear to ear smiles. Eric Adams is like, and how much will these guys do this for? And they're like, it's nine an hour. We can maybe get it down to six. Maybe the bots that attack people will be 15. (laughs) Maybe the bots that have the full capacity to restrain people, that might be 15. But they're all sitting there. They're all very excited because they know this is just the beginning. They know it's just the beginning. And don't think it's, uh, by the way, it's any type of coincidence that we have this migrant crisis and now we have the bots coming in. Because <laughs> all you people need to accept the bot. And the only way they're going to accept the bot is if they're going to their house and they see all of these people lurking in the streets and now they're going to be intense. They're desperate. We've thrown them out of the hotels. They don't know what to do. They're desperate. They're hungry. They can't get any services from the government. What are they going to do? They're going to go, well, that lady's got a pocketbook. That guy might have a wallet. And things could get dicey. And that's when they start going, and here are the bots. Here are the bots. And, uh, yeah, I just wish I could have been a fly on the wall for the meeting when they went into the NYPD and they said, meet your new partner, K5. And those guys are like, yeah, but what could K5 really do? He's got facial recognition, you know. And they go, yeah, this is the first generation. They go, you know iPhones, right? And the cops are like, yeah, I know iPhones. (laughs) You know how when the first one came out, it couldn't do much? Didn't really have a great camera. 
you know, you couldn't do much. And then every generation of the phone got better and better and better and more capable. And now you can't live without your phone. If you don't have your phone, even for several minutes, you freak the fuck out. That's what we're going to do with the bot. Every generation of the K5, what do you think the K7 is going to do? If the K5 can identify you on the street and can use facial recognition to know who you are, what do you think the K7? What about the K9? The K9 should be one that looks like a dog for fun. What do you think the K9 is going to do? The K10? I mean, if you all live long enough, you'll live long enough to see the K-15. Now, the K-15's job is to basically sense you're going to commit a crime before you commit it and then get you down and then deactivate you on the street before you're able to do anything. It's it's uh, terrifying. But you got to embrace it. So get on the good side because it's not going away. Get on the good side of the K-5, however you're going to do it. Pet it, rub it. When you walk in, go, hello, K5. Like, just start being obedient to the fully autonomous security bot in the subway. Start being obedient. And maybe he'll record, because he's going to record everything, by the way. They're going to record your reactions. They have facial recognition. They know exactly who you are. So if you're like one of these people that's like, fuck you, K5, the K8 is going to remit. They're going to pull the file up as soon as they see you. And they're going to go, oh, that guy wasn't really nice to K5. He was kind of a shit. He called K5 a faggot. He spit on K5. That wasn't really nice. I think this guy's a problem. I think this guy needs a little attitude adjustment. He was very nasty. Him and his friends actually kicked K5 for no goddamn reason. I'm K8. Poor K5 didn't know how to handle these guys. I know. K8 knows exactly what to do. So whatever you do around these bots, just know it will be recorded for future use. It will absolutely be recorded. It's going into a database. Any antisocial behavior that you display around K5 is going to be remembered by K9, K10, and K11. They're going to be able to pull it up and go, you know what? You weren't really a team player when we rolled out our little brother K5, were you? No, we actually pulled up your file and we just watched some of your behavior. And you know what? We're not excited. And they'll follow you home. They're going to follow you home. They'll follow you home. It's it. This is all happening. This is all happening. You may not like it, but it's all going to happen. So my advice to you, while you can get in good with K5, if I ever see K5, I'm going to just be like, hello, K5. Thank you for coming to our city. I love you, K5. Look at K5 and go, I love you, K5, because that's going to get saved. They are going to record everything that you do. And they're go- and all the generations of the security bots will remember it. Mm-hmm. it they're going to remember it. So just know that. Mr. Adams, who once patrolled the subways as a transit cop, was elected on a promise to reduce crime without violating New Yorkers' civil rights. <laughs> he supports using technology to enhance law enforcement. The mayor returned in August from a trip to Israel, always good news, where he saw how law enforcement there uses drones in conjunction with motorcycles. And I love, by the way, that we go to Israel. Israel and Palestine have been fighting forever and ever. They have a very tense security situation, and it should not be the model for our country. (laughs) Our country should not, we should not model anything after the Gaza Strip. There's no way that we should model policing in Columbus, Ohio, after the most volatile region in the world. So whenever anybody gets back from a trip to Israel, the most volatile region in the world, and they were there to talk about security, that's no good. That's not good. They come back and they're like, well, we." I mean, listen, you take LL, the airline, 
and it is the you it is the most secure you ever feel flying because they do these crazy and it's understandable because they've lived with this threat of political instability and terrorism for a very very long time right not notwithstanding their their role in that i'm not going into that right now what i'm saying is that modeling our security situation after the most volatile place in the world is only going to get everybody's civil rights snatched away. Mr. Adams is also a proponent of DigiDog, a robotic dog that is deployed in emergency situations such as building collapses. There's nothing better in a building collapse than a robotic dog. We've all seen DigiDog. Mm -hmm. There's DigiDog right there. So DigiDog... By the way, notice how all this stuff, they're all lying all the time. They're like, uh, DigiDog is for the building collapse. <laughs> what? Does anyone believe that? Does anyone believe the only time you're going to see DigiDog is in the once every 10-year building collapse? How many buildings are collapsing in the city that you need an army of digital dogs? But this is the way the press is writing it up. Right. They're like, no, D- DigiDog's here for the tsunami. And the building collapses. And uh, if there's, uh, you know, the earthquakes that New York City uh, experiences once every 400 years, that's that's why we have DigiDog. No, 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 no. We have a fully autonomous robot dog for the building collapse. So that if you're in the rubble of a building that has just collapsed and you are comforted by this uh, DigiDog, you, so it's not going to do anything else? So DigiDog's not going to do it. You smoke a weed on a park bench, DigiDog's not going to show up <laughs> out of nowhere? Digidog's not going to show up. Is that is that what we believe? There's going to be no Digidog in other situations? I think there might be. I think Digidog might find his way out of the building collapse and into your life. But notice how this is all brought out. It's all brought out in a very positive, helpful way. Listen, we're saving money. We're saving money and there's building collapses. And don't you want to get saved by a digital dog? Watch this article. New York City officials unveiled three new high policing devices Tuesday, including a robotic dog that critics call Creepy when it was first debuted two and a half years ago. The new devices, which also include a GPS tracker for stolen cars and a cone-shaped security robot, will be rolled out in a manner that is transparent, consistent, and always done in close collaboration with the people we serve. DigiDog is out of the pound, said Eric Adams, a Democrat. Thank God our ma- this is what happens when the mayor's on coke and you could just hand the mayor an eight ball and go, sit down. We got a lot of cool stuff we're about to show you. Fuck, he's sitting there, he's like, fuck. DigiDog is now part of the toolkit that we are using. By the way, is there any is there anything worse than that? By the way, all you need is to not let criminals out of jail. You need bail laws that actually make sense. You need areas to be adequately policed. You need cops to be uh, adequately trained. We've all decided we can't do any of that. We've all decided we can't do any of that. Bring on K5 and DigiDog, by the way. Because <laughs> we've decided we can't do it. We can't train police. We can't tell them to just not shoot innocent black people in the face. We can't figure out a way to give criminals the appropriate amount of bail. None of this can be done. It, it, it can't be done. We've given up. It's not going to work. Human beings have failed. It's not going to happen. What's going to happen is we're going to bring on robots and digital dogs, and that's going to be the way we're going to do it. A few loud people were opposed to it, and we took a step back, the mayor said. This is not how I operate. I operate on looking at what's best for the city. Adam said that the remote-controlled 70-pound DigiDog will be deployed in risky situations like hostage standoffs starting this summer. 
If you have a barricaded suspect, if you have someone that's inside a building that is armed, instead of sending police there, you're going to send DigiDog. So when they're rolling all this stuff out, they have to describe all of these crazy situations that barely, if ever, it never happened. It's like uh, when we had the ticking time bomb scenario when we were just torturing people randomly in underground prisons and we were going, yeah, but the uh, ticking time bomb... And then they made the sum of all fears, that dumb movie, we're going to nuke the baseball game. Well, it's the ticking time bomb situation because there's a nuke and there's this guy, this limo driver knows where the nuke is and we got to torture him so we can find out what would you do in a ticking time bomb. So they always arrange this stuff so that you think, well, this is, of course, this is necessary. Of course, why wouldn't we have a labyrinth of secret torture prisons? Why wouldn't that make sense? It's a ticking time bomb scenario. Would you use... And I remember when I was growing up, like, people were running for president. They would ask John Kerry. They'd be like, wouldn't you use torture if there was a ticking time bomb scenario? Now, by the way, we all know in a ticking time bomb scenario, this country would do anything, by the way. We would do anything um, at all. It's, it's crazy to even think that we would, like, hold back in that rare, so far imaginary scenario of a ticking time bomb. The idea that we wouldn't torture somebody with a ticking time is hilarious. But this is like the way they're rolling that DigiDog. They're like, well, you know, this hostage standoff uh, police. First of all, DigiDog could get someone killed there. DigiDog doesn't care. You're supposed to have a hostage negotiate. Did anyone stop this idiot mayor and go, uh, actually, uh, Mayor Adams... You're supposed to have a hostage negotiator who talks to the person who's holding the person hostage, not a, a, a dog. You're not supposed to send a robot dog. We weren't sending real dogs to... Were we sending canines into hostage negotiation situations? Yeah, you got a bunch of hostages. Send in the shepherds. No one was doing that. Nobody was doing that. You're supposed to send in a human being who's trained in this tactic, which is very difficult, of getting someone to walk out of that building without killing anyone or themselves. And now they're like, well, the tracking system called Star Chase will allow police to launch a GPS tag that will attach itself to a stolen car so that officers can track the vehicle's location. Okay, well, that's fine. I don't have a problem with people not getting a car stolen. The autonomous security robot, which... Adams, compared to a Roomba, will be deployed inside the Times Square subway station in a seven-month pilot program starting this summer. The device is already being used in shopping centers, and it'll be first joined by a human partner. That's great. That's good news. So K5 is going to have some racists from Staten Island <laughs> teaching them all about... <laughs> hey, K5, you see these people? They're different. You better watch them. American Royalty Tour is on the road right now. We are in Des Moines, Iowa, Omaha, Nebraska, Sacramento, California. Then we're heading to Australia, Perth, Adelaide, Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, New Zealand, Auckland, Christchurch, then Rochester, New York, New York, New York, Carnegie Hall, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Houston, Texas, Detroit, Michigan, Toronto, Ontario, Brea, California for New Year's. We're announcing dates in Boston and D.C. and some other places coming up. If you live in any of these cities, go to timdillancomedy.com, grab tickets, back to the show. Harvard-Westlake, which is an elite school in L.A. where a lot of rich kids and famous people have gone. Uh, it's very sad. Uh, it's like the school of choice for the elite of L.A. I drive by it all the time. 
Three three children have died by suicide, unfortunately, in the past six months. And uh, it's very difficult um, to be a teenager in the age of social media. And there's all these studies coming out now about how bad social media is for children, especially when they're developing. Uh, the first was a girl in the sophomore class. A few months later, a senior boy, a third, a rising junior, took himself out during the summer. I mean, people were freaking out, says one alum. There were calls to cancel the school year, but they didn't. Quote, it's tragic but not terribly surprising that students are feeling pressured from academic expectations and this whole L.A. lifestyle... You know, it's difficult. It's a difficult, the more recent alums look older than they are, like they've had a hard life. There's a tremendous amount of pressure, I think, on certain kids. My parents put very little pressure on me, which also, not great. Um, but many kids, are, their uh, excellence is demanded of them because of the family they come from. or And they end up not being able, some kids really care what their parents think about them. God. And that's lovely. That's maybe kind of sweet. It really is. Like they really care about legacy and expectations. And I've let my father down. And I, I mean, there was, there's nothing I can relate to less than that. <laughs> there is not anything I can relate to less than that thing of like letting my parents, I never cared. I was always like, I'm doing my own thing and win or lose. It is what it is. It's my life completely. I don't, I'm not upholding any, but there are kids out there that live in the shadow of their parents and they can't handle it. And a lot of them probably go to that school and their parents are, I mean, it's tragic. Listen, anytime somebody as a teenager takes their life, it's, uh, I, I'm not even going to make a joke about it because it is that fucked up and sad. And the, the, you know, the parents are probably going through hell and, and, and you know, probably a lot of them are going, we put too much pressure on the students. And listen, this you know, if you are rich, it doesn't necessarily mean you are happy. And if you are if your parents are rich, it doesn't necessarily mean your home life is good. In fact, really the happiest people I know were always middle class people, people that weren't broke but also weren't loaded. That way they they life had consequences, it had meaning, you know, their decisions meant something. Um, but they weren't desperate, but they didn't have an endless supply of money. They didn't have a legacy name to uphold. They weren't like, you know, characters in a movie. They were allowed to be full human beings. And when you're a teenager, that's really important. Um, it's tough to get into an Ivy League school these days. And it's tough. And a lot of times, if you don't get into an Ivy League school, you let your family down. And they're upset. And maybe they're not even outwardly upset. It's just kind of like a disappointment. My friend, who's a rich kid, said the thing about those families is there's not a lot of raw emotion that comes out. A lot of it is kind of this passive-aggressive quiet disappointment that eats at you even more 
than if someone was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? They just don't do that. A lot of these people are not built to have that type of emotional release. So they just hold everything in. And, and again, I'm not, I don't know why these three kids did this. I'm only extrapolating. This is LA mag. They're extrapolating too. I know the community of Harvard-Westlake is struggling to find a reason, said Richard Lieberman, the lead suicide prevention expert for the public school system in L.A. And that is the struggle of survivors. But no one person and no one thing is ever to blame for suicide. Perhaps, perhaps, but maybe there is. I don't know. It's very difficult. I think in the next few years, if like as a country, we're going to have to cut out some of the social media, man, for children, it's it's going to get really bad. I think if you don't do that and you don't start taking control over what your kids watch, they're going to end up in this position where, you know, they're incredibly depressed, they're incredibly anxious. And you got, there's there's two things you could do with your kids. You, you got to either kind of pull them off this stuff or you got to make them really hot, really cool. <laughs> Truly, if you're going to let them, you know what? You got to make them really hot and really cool. You got to make them into a fucking product. You got to make them into the envy of all the world. You do. And if you have the patience to do that, you have the skill set to turn your children into the coolest people. That's one thing, but many people don't. Many people are just working. They don't have the time. And it's unfortunate because their kids are going to go on social media and eventually some of them are going to off themselves. And that's fucking terrible. So if you have the opportunity to sit down with your kids and go, listen, we got to get you to a place where I feel comfortable sending you out into this world, not being a total fucking loser. I got to feel comfortable sending you into this world, someone who's cool and who's respected and people like, that way you're not going to end up in this situation. I don't know, but these people seem cool. These people seem cool. That's a thing, right? None of my friends have off themselves. It is shocking. We, I am so shocked that none of my friends have shot themselves in the head. Do you know how many reasons there are for a lot of people I know to off themselves? I mean thousands, and yet none of them have done it. None of them have done it. And these three kids at a fucking prep school in LA, probably about to have great lives. So to me, that says social media and that says maybe family dynamics are a big problem. Maybe chemical depression or whatever. But nobody I know, nobody I know, not one person, not one person that I know has taken their own life. And that says a lot. That says a lot. Because there's ample reasons for a lot of people I know to not be here anymore. And they are still here. And they are still texting. And they are still concerning themselves with nonsense. And it, it would be, you know, understandable. It's, I'm not, I don't want it to happen, God forbid, but it would be, it would be so understandable. The response to many of my friends offing themselves would be this. Well, of course. That would be the response. Of course. So this is actually really creepy and it points to the fact that we've got this very destructive force in society 
that is making kids depressed. It's making them anxious. It's telling them everybody hates them. They're cyberbullying. They're looking at other people's lives that are better. They're making themselves crazier than they are. There's bipolar influencers now. I mean, there's borderline personality influencers. That's a that's a genre of the internet now. There are people that are getting clout based on the exploration of their borderline personality disorder. And then there's people that don't have borderline personality disorder convincing themselves that they do. You know, I mean, I know a guy on Instagram. He's an eczema influencer. I kid you not. He's a hot guy. <laughs> He's a hot dude on IG and he has eczema and he just pulls his hand out and he goes, a lot of people don't know what eczema is or a lot of people confuse eczema with something else. And a lot of people are just like, hey man, why is your hand fucked up? It's like, dude, just put cream on it. The rest of you is fine. What is this? <laughs> but it's his relatability to people because he's a hot guy and he's going, what am I, uh, I going to talk about? And you know, you could talk about fitness, maybe you're brilliant and you talk about politics or whatever. I don't know, but he's going, I guess I'll do eczema. So he's got his red hand up with his going like, yeah, people are calling me lizard hand, but like, here's what eczema is. And so all of these things, all of these people, when you're young, you're impressionable. You're looking at this. You're looking at the borderline personality influence. You're, you, you may be convincing yourself that things are worse than they are especially if you're 15 years old, you may be on the internet going, maybe things are worse than they are. Maybe I have this, maybe I have that, maybe I'm all over the place. And you might, your parents might need to just get involved and really shut it off. Kids should not have phones in school, number one. They should go in yonder bags like comedy clubs. Kids should not be on their phones in school all day. That's fucking crazy. Kids should have social media limited big time. Parents should kind of get more involved as to what their kids are looking at online. And I'm not saying it's bad that people that have mental health struggles are sharing those struggles on the internet. I'm saying that when you take mental health and then you take the need for clout, social acceptance, all of these things, status, and you merge them, you can have a big problem. You want to belong? You join a community. Doesn't mean you should be in the community, but you're in it. You're 15. You're like, hey, man, I might be in this. This might be my bag. I might be with the borderline kids, borderline gang. It, that's maybe what's going on. We didn't know how fucked up we were when we were kids. That, that was good. We didn't know how fucked up we were. We could have been diagnosed with a million things. We could have been diagnosed with a million things. We barely knew how fucked up we were. We didn't know. And that it's very interesting that a lot of the people that I was surrounded myself with figured out some type of life because they weren't burdened from their youngest age thinking about all the ailments they might have, all the psychological conditions that were available to them as a means to potentially belonging or joining a group. That doesn't mean people don't have legit psychological problems, but it does mean that like, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, let's, you know, maybe it's a doctor that should diagnose you. Maybe you shouldn't be diagnosing yourself on the TikTok discover page, but it's really sad um, what happened to those three uh, children at Harvard-Westlake. It is sad. I, I do, I am aware that poor children also die, but I don't care. 